It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition. Justin Ferguson right here in Columbia, South Carolina. Painter Sharpless in parts unknown. Hello, Painter. Hello. Well, Painter, we, we find ourselves for the third week in a row having to talk about an Auburn football loss uh, that uh, really was unlike the first two. And uh, I think it would be a little bit easier Maybe not easier to deal with, but at least easier to explain and easier for people to, you know, Auburn fans to uh, kind of handle if it was the same way, you know, three weeks in a row you, where you can like point to one specific thing or a couple specific things and be like, all right, this is why they've lost. Um, that's not the case here. Uh, for a third week in a row, Auburn has lost, and it looks like a completely different set of circumstances and problems. Uh, losing 21-17 to South Carolina. Do not worry. We will talk about Auburn-South Florida basketball uh, towards the end of this podcast. We'll do a little quick look ahead, uh, perhaps. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk uh, the battle for Atlantis uh, as well um, coming up here for the Tigers. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a loss that, uh, I mean, I don't even know if you rank the three losses for Auburn in terms of acceptability or how it happened or, you know, whatever rankings you want to use. This one felt like the worst one. Um, And maybe that's recency bias. Maybe that's, um, you know, looking at the rankings a little too much. But, oh, boy, this this was a really, really bad one for Brian Harson and uh, his staff and his team. Uh, to drop a lot of wrestling references on this podcast incredible heel turn for your auburn tigers three weeks makes a big difference yeah this i mean this team heading into texas a&m controlled its own path to the sec title game now they are going to need a miracle of all miracles to finish better than 500 in, in, in the regular season uh, to finish 500 in SEC play. And, I mean, I, I guess that's the thing is just that, you know, this this team at one point was playing, you know, not world-beating football, but decent football. I mean, they beat Ole Miss. Uh, they beat Arkansas on the road, an Arkansas team that, that looked pretty game uh, yesterday against Alabama. Gave Alabama everything it wanted in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Um, you know, beat LSU on the road, which has been the first time you've done that in 22 years, and that counts for something even though LSU is kind of a bizarre set of circumstances this year. But, I mean – Auburn is now lumped in with Florida, and this season nobody wants to be lumped in with Florida. Right? Yeah. I mean, this is a this is a team that is scraping at the end of the season. Um, I mean, they got their sixth win, and I mean, think about it this way: if you don't pull off that fourth down miracle against Georgia State, oh, buddy, oh, this might be a losing season. This might be a losing season for Auburn, and there's no doubt about it. You know, uh, you've gone backwards this season. Um, yes, Auburn lost to South Carolina last season. Um, you know that is comparable. Um, and I, but you look at all the other areas, like the, the way you lost to Mississippi State, the way you lost to Texas A and M. Um, I mean, this is a team last year where. Uh, you didn't even lose a lot as well. I mean, I, I, I've seen I've seen fans, I've seen some fans online, like pointing to you know, well, the roster or the talent situation, or you're playing South Carolina, right? Like like you've played South Carolina, Mississippi State the last two weeks. You've had double digit leads in both of those games. Talent is not the issue in this specific sense. Now, if you want to talk about it against A and M, you want to talk about it against Georgia, you want to talk about it at the line of scrimmage against Penn State. Okay, all right. Like, uh, you know, I I will, you know, I will happily uh, reason with you there. You're you're playing a state team, and you're up by 25, and you lose. And you're playing a South Carolina team, and you're up by 14, and you lose. And South Carolina does not have anything in their offense where you look at it and say, okay, they are built for comebacks. Yet, they did. 
And they, they, they pulled off the comeback and they won this game. There is really only one way I can describe how to feel about this. After most losses, there's a dreaded sense of disappointment and almost guilt. This one, I could not have been more apathetic. And I think, generally speaking, the fan base feels, to me, I'm making assumptions, indifferent at this point in the season. Yeah. Which, again, is a crazy thought considering where it was three weeks ago going into a road game against Texas A&M as a fringe, what, top 10 team controlling its own Mm -hmm. destiny. And as you said, this is supposed to be the exciting time in a program because you're in year one going, look, we've made strides. Now look at year two. Examples that you've listed recently, of course, Arkansas and Ole Miss. It does not feel like Auburn is trending in the directions of the mighty programs like Arkansas and Ole Miss. Right. I mean, you can get goodwill from winning on the road against LSU. You can get goodwill from from Arkansas and Ole Miss in the way. I mean, I guess that's the other thing, too, is that this is a team that is getting worse as the season's gone on, and that should be the complete opposite of what's happening in a year one. In a year one, you know, the more time you spend in your system, the more time you – you know, get used to it. You should be getting better. And, and the other thing too is, is that like the schedule's gotten easier. You've played two teams in back-to-back weeks that does not have the talent level that you do, right? Uh, yes, I mean Auburn's roster has some issues, but what about South Carolina was supposed to exploit those issues, right? What about what about Mississippi State? You know, in certain aspects, was supposed to exploit those issues, other than the fact that they run the air raid. But heading into that game, you know, Auburn's pass defense had been. You know, I'm not saying they've been a lockdown unit by any means, but they've done a good job of keeping guys off the scoreboard. Completely turns it around. Yesterday, South Carolina is playing a, a third-string quarterback who has barely done anything this year. Now, they didn't throw throw a ton with him. They didn't run a ton of plays uh, because they really played ball control football in that game. And They asked him to do just game. enough. Just enough. And he has the best game of his season. And was pretty efficient and did what he needed to do. And Auburn couldn't stop him in key situations. The running game, you know, losing contain on uh, number 11, White. Losing him out of the backfield, which is an issue against Mississippi State on pass plays. Tackling's getting, getting worse as the season's gone on. Coverage has not been as tight recently. And it was like, sure, twenty-one points, one of whether well, they're like one of nine on third downs, that should be enough most of the time. So the offense definitely takes a lot of blame there. But I mean, the defense. I mean, it's 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 the fact that it's it's the same mistakes that come back and get you. And it's a, I mean, Noah and Papo, but you you got a little. I mean, you got TD Moultrie back in the second half. You got a guy like Romello Height back out there. Um, I mean, I said it with arrogance going into the Mississippi State game. Like Auburn does not lose to these teams. Well, mm-hmm. you could take a little bit of exception with that. We've seen some Auburn teams drop a game or two in many seasons that they really shouldn't, but. Uh, going on a three-game skid, which seems pretty likely, uh, or excuse me, that they have done, haven't they? What with with the A and M loss chunk uh, kind of thrown in there, like this is we're getting into some bad territory. Yeah, uh, I mean Auburn hasn't had a losing streak of more than two games since 2012. Since 2012, not a season and... that you really want to talk about. Yeah, and and you. And you got rid of your previous head coach. And again, this is not me relitigating that. Um, I think the program needed some sort of change. And I think you, you even know, wrote about it, it in your mailbag, and it was a good answer. Like, even if, as it was posed, Auburn goes 7-3 and three last year, it just felt like things were not going forward for the program and that it was time for something new. Right. And... Yeah, I mean the last two seasons you've had winning record in winning records in SEC play, right? You played a nothing but SEC schedule last season and looked better 
and and play. I mean, you you just were better. And from that team, let's go back and 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 revisit who you lost from that team to the NFL. Two wide receivers, a safety, and a linebacker who didn't play most of the year. That's it. That's and like, it. You so. can make an argument about how you would have liked to have had one of those receivers. But at the end of the day, what are we but, what are we talking about here in terms of someone that's truly irreplaceable? Okay, so you say that right, and it's like the last two games, especially for now against A and M, not having a go to wide receiver, you know, not having a good wide receiver performance definitely cost Auburn. Last two games, you had two one hundred yard receivers last uh, last week against Mississippi State. You had another one this week in Cheddar Jackson. Okay, I mean, so it's not like there was just this great. Now, would it be good? To, would it have been good to have Kobe Hudson out there uh, yesterday for Auburn? Yes. Would it have been good to have Bo Nix out there yesterday for Auburn? Yes. And that's not a knock on T.J. Finley. I think he played as fine as you probably could have expected to go into that situation. You know, he has not been a super efficient and accurate passer in his career. He made some good throws. He made some good plays. He was in a tough spot. Yeah, I would have liked for him to not have needed to make a game-winning drive in his first start. <laughs> yeah, right, against against South Carolina. Against a South Carolina team that defensively, you know, had not done uh, you know, much of anything against teams with pulses this year. Um, and Ferg, and, you, I mean, I don't know if, if this is how you feel, but I, I sort of thought going into this game, the strategy, strategy has to be like, don't make TJ be a hero. Let the team yeah. run the ball. If you looked at Tank's stat line, and if you looked at the overall points, I think when I checked uh, an SEC play, South Carolina had only scored more than 20 points twice. And mm. they had scored, I think they scored 23 and 20 against Eastern Carolina and Troy. Yeah. And so, like, the bar was pretty low. It's like you just need to score, like, four touchdowns in this game. And that kind of held up to be true. And they couldn't it do it. It did. And, look, I mean... This isn't us. This isn't us beating around the bush. But I think it's uh, Auburn did not execute on defense. Um, they didn't execute at certain key spots on offense. It's true. But you have to look back at this game. And again, when you when you're dealing with a team that has gotten worse as the season has gone on and has played worse as the season's gone on, it's hindsight's twenty twenty. But the decision making in this game looms the absolute largest. You lose the game by four. Where, I mean, just look at it. You go for it on fourth and one in your own territory. An aggressive call, uh, you know, a call that I think, considering where they were, it's not horrible. But on fourth and one, they take a shot. Yeah, it does feel like overthinking it. You have a six foot seven quarterback. Right. You have a running back who is who is physical. He got stopped at the line. Yeah, he got stopped at the line of scrimmage a couple of times on sa- uh, on Saturday. But like playing his best game in a while, offensive line created some gaps for. Uh, you know, at a higher level than usual. I mean, you turn the ball over, and they score. And they tie the game up, and they go into halftime with, you know, with the with the lead. Or, or no, tied, sorry. And then they go get the lead in the, in, in the third quarter. I, I mean, Harson said it after the game. It's like, you know, in that situation, we thought, with the way they've been playing defense, that was a good call. Well, you run the call, and it's covered. That's a well-covered ball to – Demetrius Robertson could have Auburn executed that better, sure, but it was going to take a miracle with the way the way South Carolina covered it for them to for them to get it. And 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 Harson's right in the fact that yes, it it looks like a genius call if it works. It's a risk. It's going for it. It's a shot to take when all you need is a yard to have a successful play and to keep the drive going. That's a tough one. That's a tough one to be in. And like even if you just sit back and punt it away. They probably don't have a good enough offense to go down the field with the time allotted. Seven points right there. That's a swing, and you lose by four. All right. And then yet at other times in the game when they could have been aggressive on fourth down, they they aren't. And I don't know if that – I don't know what happened on the fourth and one kind of scared them off from it. I mean, they, they, they converted a fourth and 16 at one point where they were kind of in no man's land. They were like, all right, let's take a shot. It worked. And then they try to kick a short field goal with a walk-on, and it doesn't work. They punt from fourth and seven at midfield. Last drive, they punt the ball. And, like, you know, if the ending doesn't happen the way it does, they have a chance to at least walk down the field and have a last chance. But even still, it's like I don't – I failed to see the logic in being aggressive in certain spots and then not being aggressive in other spots. 
with it with your fourth down calls and it, it just that's stuff like that that keeps going and keeps going and then the big one that everybody wants to talk about <laughs> is Tank Bigsby you know Tank Bigsby has a game where he has you know one of his best games of the season one of the best games of his career there were notable times in the game where he just wasn't touching the ball Two carries in the second quarter for 17 yards. Seven yards and 10 yards. Got back at it in the third quarter. But then on the fourth quarter, after you know getting a couple of really good runs in the fourth quarter, he doesn't t- touch the ball on first down. Three-yard run. So he goes, you know, second to 10 run. Those usually don't work very well. And they have third, third down at completion. They punt the ball. And then when they have the chance with 528, to go down the field again, they run five plays, and Bigsby doesn't touch it a single time. And he was – you look at EPA per play, you look at a lot of metrics in that game, he was the best player on the field. He was the best player on the field on Saturday. And there were key moments in the game where they he just didn't touch the ball. It, when in the second quarter, when Auburn could have added on to its lead and, and kept going, didn't touch it, didn't touch it on the fourth and one, didn't touch it on that late drive. 22 carries for 164 yards. You know, that's not a – it's not like last season against South Carolina where you watch him and say, okay, well, they he should have gotten, the, like, criminally underused. It was like game. 11 carries for more than 100 yards, wildly efficient in that lost South Carolina last year. I think he about doubled up his touches in this game, but I think you also wrote that he's had games where you, I think he had 22 in this one, 22 touches. Had twenty two, and that's he's like not twenty six and one. Yeah. He's had twenty eight and one. Not a crazy yeah. amount. They could have given him five, ten more touches in a game where it's like clearly this guy is the difference. And I get balance, and I get wanting to, you know, wanting to, you know, it's part of their whole mo on offense, like keeping them on their toes. But you have a backup quarterback in there, who's not uh, who I mean, who is playing behind an offensive line that isn't at full strength, who's playing with a wide receiving core that's not at full strength. And I mean there were a there was a drive or two maybe in the game, some pass breakups, but like TJ Finley was about a fifty fifty shot of completing his passes most of the time in the game. And you were relying on that, you know, in my opinion, too much in this game. Especially when you had Tank playing the way Tank played. And that's got to be frustrating for him. That's got to be frustrating for Auburn's offense. That's got to be frustrating for anybody watching it uh, who I has any you, any rooting interest in Auburn. You've been wise in saying, hey, we like to dissect body language and pretend to be psychologists with sports. It did seem apparent to me, though, that there were stretches in that game where Tank was visibly frustrated. I can't know that, but it looked that way on television. It looked like Tank would have been okay with a few more carries in this game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a it's a tough spot to be in for, <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Uh, and it seems avoidable. It, it it really it really seemed it seemed avoidable, um, and then here's the other part where they gets that I think gets frustrating. I think if 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 you're watching this from the Auburn perspective, and I know some fans that after the game, after the game, Shane Beamer says, <laughs> "Well, we basically ran the same two plays over and over again," and Chandler Wooten said, "Yeah, that's pretty much true. We didn't fit it correctly." Yeah, they were bouncing to the outside. We weren't keeping the holding the edge. We weren't keeping him contained. Um, Harson seemed to kind of agree after the game. So South Carolina won the game and was able to hold Auburn off and 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 work the clock some by running the same plays over and over again. Meanwhile, Auburn's not doing the thing they kept working, and that's like it's 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 one of those things where you feel like like the fourth and if one call you kind of. I hate this term because, again, it plays the results a little too much. But even still, it's like you kind of outsmart yourself, right? I hate using that term, but it's it it fits here. It 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 fits it, it fits here for sure. I think it's particularly clear when Auburn is so much better than South Carolina on paper. But it's kind of getting yeah. harder to say that because they've lost to them twice in a row. Well, it's not like I mean. <laughs> 
it's not like you can say like the big problem for Auburn this season has been, you know, offensive line's not consistent, and you and you feel like your wide receivers haven't been consistent enough. Okay, Cedric Jackson for the struggles he's had this season as a career game, and your offensive line. I mean, there was some pressure on uh, on on Finley, but. I didn't come away from that game thinking Auburn's offensive line was terrible, you know. I think if you're using that as an excuse, it's just kind of reverting to the to the same issues that you've had. That, that you've you're just like, okay, well, yeah, of course it's offensive line. I know that's not a good situation, so that's it. It's like, mm, not in this game, not in this game, you know. It's just that you raced out to a big lead. And then just the decision-making in certain spots, the way they ended drives, just miss, 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 miss. Then on defense, a South Carolina team, like Wooten said, like you knew what they were running, you still couldn't stop it. Or you still couldn't slow it down enough to get the ball back a little quicker. Again, like the defense, 21 points, you know, short field on one of those touchdowns. Just over 300 yards. Like, it's not as if they had some... It's not st- terrible. They didn't give up what Arkansas gave up to Alabama. But again, you're playing South Carolina. Like, there's a different standard to be had. Right. And it's the thing is that those are recurring issues. Tackling, fitting, you know, letting guys loose in the out of the backfield. Those are recurring issues. And so that should get, you know, that should get everybody frustrated on the defense side of the ball. And then we haven't said it yet, but the end of the game. Again, you don't want to put yourself in that position. I think Harson said it, others have said it. Like, yes, it's tough that you lose in the way that you did. But you had plenty of opportunities to make sure that you're not going to that spot against that South Carolina team. But Auburn forces a punt late, short punt. Demetrius Robertson can't get to it. So I'm like, you know, trying to, I mean, I, 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 you know, people are going to ask, you know, why didn't he grab it? Why didn't he fair catch it? Well, it's short. And not only does he not get to it, but Auburn doesn't get out of the way of it. Anyway, it's, it's, it's just an issue that it happened like that, right? You know, something did not go well for Auburn to even be in that situation, right? And I'm not a special teams genius. And I can't sit there and say, dissect here and say, well, this is exactly what should happen. All I know is that something went wrong. And Jalen Simpson was in that spot. And Demetrius Robertson didn't get to it. And replay, I don't. I have no idea how right, you go right. through I that thought, replay and say like, oh, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, that is a, that is not the one you want. I thought <laughs> like, you, you called it is, well that is, in your, in your analysis, which is that when you have to break it down to a molecular level, yes. it's probably not disputable evidence. Again, though, again, you're down four to South Carolina. Why are you in that situation? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, uh, it looks like it might have scraped him, but like there, it's angles. It's it's certain angles of certain spots, and I don't think anything was indisputable. And I, again, this comes to a point where we have seen it with replay review. Is you know, it takes away from the spirit of the game. It's like the it's like the the flag. It's like the TD Moultrie targeting call by the letter of the law, probably by you know a certain angle, maybe it brushed Jalen Simpson there. But it wasn't called on the field. And then the replay's like, all right, let's take advantage of this and zoom in and zoom in and zoom in. It's like that's not that's not what sport I mean, that's not sports. Like, you know, it's one of those things where you know, we're using technology to slow down the game and create more problems, you know, for themselves. For and then I mean, and it's not even consistent either. Remember the Ole Miss game last year where it felt where it looked like the, the ball grazed Sean Shivers? Wasn't changed, but this one was. And it's like, I don't, I don't see how that's anywhere near consistent enough where you're, where you're just pulling the trigger on. But again, like we said, don't put yourself in that position. It's that special teams issue. 
they are – I mean, special teams is costing them points um, significantly in, in, these, in these last few games. And, yes, you don't have your kicker anymore, and that's a tough spot to be in, right? And it's like, I'm not going to sit here and say the walk-on kicker. Like, don't pile on the walk-on kicker, you know? He didn't – I mean, he didn't sign up to be in this position specifically, right? Now, I'm not saying he's not a competitor and he's not going to go to him when, he, when called upon. Auburn special teams unit were was was wildly inconsistent even before that. Yeah, I guess and if I'm going to say don't again. don't rely on T.J. Finley being a hero, like I, I guess don't let yourself be in a position where Ben Patton needs to be a hero either. Right, right. And I mean, the special teams penalties. You had another one, and again, it didn't kill you um, with the holding, but that one was just help. sort of a cherry on top. It's just like, ah, yes, we still right. had we still had that in us. And it's not like Auburn got flagged for a ton of penalties in the game. Period. Like, it, like they didn't have they didn't have a ton of penalties, but the ones that they did, you're like, oh man, like can't can't give it away, can't give it away like that. But it goes to that point where. You know, Painter, in the small picture, as we would probably like to say, in the small picture, the loss to South Carolina, what does it change? What does it change? Well, probably not going to as good of a bowl game. Okay, cool. You know, don't think Auburn fans are necessarily dissecting the prestige of going to, you know, the Texas Bowl or the Outback Bowl or something like that over the Birmingham Bowl or whatever. Whatever, whatever they're, uh, whatever, where, wherever you're going, uh, it, 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 you know, it's still not where you thought you could have been at one point this season, period, right? And it's hard to think now where you're in a position if you're Auburn where you're moving forward. This thing is progressing. This thing is rising, and like you need it to. Right. Well, the thing that's looming in the back of all this is this concern about Auburn's ability to recruit and gain some momentum in year one. And yep. that seems to be all but gone. Yeah, the, the year one record, I, like I said, I, you don't judge a coaching a coaching staff by their year one record alone and by their year one recruiting alone, right? There are plenty of reasons why. But it doesn't mean it doesn't have an effect, right? It doesn't mean that you, you throw it out completely. Um, as I say, probably way too often on this show, you don't want to overreact, but you don't want to underreact either, right? Like it, it does have value, it does have weight, but in the small picture, like all it, it's embarrassing in the fact that you lose to South Carolina again if you're Auburn and like your record's gonna look worse. But like if Auburn finishes the year seven and five compared to six and six again, assuming they lose to to Alabama in the Iron Bowl, you don't really. It's not in the big picture a huge difference, but it's like the whole trajectory and the whole tone of everything because you need forward momentum. You need people to be on board. You need excitement. You need recruits to buy in. And it's like, what, what, you know, if you're looking for a good finish in recruiting, you know, recruits are not going to make decisions based on one or two games. But like, what has Auburn done in the last month where you're where, where you think that like, okay, this is what's going to get more people to sign up for it? Unless it's unless the pitch is, hello, we need help. It's one thing to lose these games. It's another thing to lose these games at the point in the season you're doing it and how you're doing it. Right? It's 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 mistakes. I believe in coaching, but you know, I believe it's mistakes in actually. And look, Harson, Harson and and his staff are going to take the take the blame for it. You know, they're going to talk about consistency and we're not doing what we need to do week in and week out. And it's, yeah, I mean, like, what else are you going to say at this point? Especially post-game. For, for a staff that was talking about being detail-oriented and being consistent, how do you go backwards in that area as time goes on? You know, how do you, even when the, and again, when the schedule gets a little bit more favorable. Um, and it's only getting tougher from here. That's the That's the other thing. We can talk about Auburn's defense hasn't lived up to maybe the expectations people placed on it heading into the season, right? Well, several of their key players are draft eligible. They may not be back next year. The offensive line that has had issues for the last few seasons 
has got to be overhauled. And in a position group where experience usually matters a little bit more than anywhere else, that's a tough – That's a. I mean, like, it, it's possible that Auburn could get better up front, right? But, man, that is not a that is not a guarantee by any means. They have to recruit well down the stretch. They have to hit the portal hard. And then even if you do all that, if you check all the boxes and you hit it all correctly, right, well, okay, the schedule is tougher next year. Early on it's not, but you got to go to Georgia. you got to go to Alabama. It's a year two situation where a lot can be different around here. A lot can be – and by around here, I mean Auburn, not in Columbia, South Carolina. It's a year two situation where – Things could look a lot different for Auburn in terms of leadership. Uh, no secret that 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 the uh, that there's a new president, you know, coming in, and everybody will continue to see what the future holds for Alan Green and Auburn's and Auburn's athletic department. It becomes a situation where you have to win in year two, and it's like there's not very much like you're not using the end of year one as a launching pad, which is usually what you're trying to do. And you can talk about changing the culture and, and toughness and consistency and all that, but it's like it's got to show up on Saturdays. And it's only going to get tougher for it to show up on Saturdays with what we can measure and what we can evaluate right now. And it felt like year one was important for all the normal reasons that we've mentioned time and again here, building momentum, creating a foundation, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing that was particularly clear early on in the year was that Auburn was going to have a tougher time in year two because of some of the likely departures. And building up goodwill in year one, knowing that it's pretty likely you take a step back given who you lose and where you're playing next year, it felt like you had a window in year one to make things look good and provide yourself a bit of cushion in the event that year two is somewhat of a reset. Things are about to change a ton here in in college football. Like we're we're about to see LSU get a new head coach. We're about to see Florida kind of uh, seems like they might be making a decision here. Right. And I mean these are teams that you feel like are in your tier as a as as a as an SEC member. Um you know, Georgia and Alabama aren't getting any worse anytime soon. You've got other teams, you know, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I mean, you beat Ole Miss this year, but, you know, those are programs that are on the rise, a little bit more consistent. Arkansas definitely is as well. And, again, you beat Arkansas. It's not like it's it's hopeless by any means. You've taken a step back this year. I mean, that's the bottom line. You've taken a step backwards this year. And if I think you, you've taken a step backward in your record I think you also, as the season has gone on, you're farther away from competing with Alabama and Georgia than you were when the season started. Yeah, and they still have to play Bama, and weird stuff could happen. But, I mean, if, the way Bryce Young played yesterday, throwing for the second most yards of anybody in SEC history. Quick, accurate. They've got talented running backs. I mean, we just saw some running backs tear Auburn up in some meaningful they don't even have to run the ball. Right, either. and like we just saw what Will Rogers can do with a quick, accurate pass game. Right. Bryce Young's – I know Will Rogers put up some very impressive numbers, but if we're talking about sheer talent and ability, I'm not really close about who I'd rather have, Bryce or Rogers. This roster is going to be different next season, and then moving forward, like teams are not – I don't think the LSUs and the Floridas of the world are going to stay down for long. You don't play Florida regularly, but they're still a factor in your conference, especially in recruiting. And Texas and Oklahoma are coming in. And great. Texas looks worse than you right now. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> That's about it. Like, there's just a lot changing and, and this was a year like to stay to get ahead of the reset, to get ahead of the the shifting the shifting sands. I don't know, this is a stupid metaphor, um, of what's happening in college football. Like you said, Panner, it feels like a missed opportunity. Now it is year one. Any coaching staff needs time. Any coaching staff needs needs some patience. It's not throwing that off, but it's the way that you lose and the way that it happens where there isn't the consistency that you need, where there are recurring execution problems, where you are looking worse right now than you did at points in this season with all the caveats, with the injuries being what they are, including the one to your starting quarterback, including the one to your starting kicker including the one to one of your best linebackers, one of your best defensive players. All those things can be true, right? But it's still South Carolina. It's still Mississippi State. 
those are two teams where you inherited more talent. I mean, South Carolina's in a year one, too. Like, at least you can say last week Mississippi State is like, well, they're a lot more comfortable in that air raid. They're a lot more comfortable in that defense than they were last year. And they were built to kind of make this comeback happen. South Carolina's not built for that comeback. When South Carolina's been down this season, they've just been done for the most part. Unless you unless you're a team along the lines of a Missouri or a completely given up Florida. That's it. <laughs> like like that's that's kind of the uh, those kind of the neighborhood you've put yourselves in this year. And that's not where you want to be if you're Auburn. Mm. It's 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 such a it's such a missed opportunity and it's such there's like a lot of worrying signs. And look, what we say on the show all the time is predicting what happens for Auburn football in the future is a fool's errand. But like they're gonna have to they're gonna have to nail a lot of things here in the next few months for this to be a better year in twenty twenty two. And is it possible? Sure. Right? I mean it's it's definitely possible. And then that year year two of assist of being in your systems, you can you could theoretically see where that could change, but buddy, that is that the lot's got to go their way. A lot's got to go their way, and that is not something I think you would necessarily want to bank on, or think you would be in a position to have to bank on. You know, a few weeks ago, SEC West looks as good as it has been. I don't know what happens with Kiffin. Of course, there are rumors about him leaving Ole Miss, but if he stays, and the way Pittman has Arkansas. Those games that in the past have often been games where you can kind of circle them and go, Auburn should win these. Well, we're starting to see that those might not be such gimme games based on the performance we performances we've seen in the last two weeks. LSU's going to swing for the fences, it seems like. They're not going to be down for long just because of the way they can recruit. A&M's in the spot that they're in, getting better. I mean, A&M's in the spot where you want to be, where you're Auburn, where you feel like you're getting... I mean, you're not there with Alabama and Georgia consistently, but you're getting closer. You beat Alabama this year if you're a, if you're A&M. It's 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 a lot of it's a lot of worrying signs. I think if you're if you're an Auburn fan, I think you know there, there's not very many reasons to feel confident. Now, all this can change in a matter of months. The off season is the time for optimism, but I mean well, that is sort of an interesting theme right now because what Auburn fan would you talk to right now that does feel any sense of optimism? And how many of them were feeling a lot more optimistic about this hire and this and this with the program and where it's at right now a month ago? Yeah, when they were six and two. Yeah, <laughs> and it's again, it's not that you lost. I mean, A and M, A and M was just bad all the way around against a better team away from home. But I mean, you want, we're leading by twenty five at home, and you're leading by fourteen on the road against a team that just is not where you. I mean, they're rebuilding. They are in rebuilding mode. That team felt like it had a lot more confidence in the second half and, and, and finished the job while Auburn, it was just like kind of, uh, it kind of felt like it was hopeful that maybe something would kind of go their way. And as times have shown this season, when Auburn is hoping for things to go their way, who it is not, it is not working out. It is not working out, especially anytime any officiating is involved. It's always curious when a game like this is tied or very close and there's one team and there's no way to quantify this. I'm just making it up, but there is one team that feels like, it's pretty content with where it is. And yeah. it felt like Auburn, even though it probably is a more talented, better team, it didn't feel like throughout the second, third, and fourth quarters that Auburn had a, a whole lot of sense that it was going to win this game, which is so strange to me. And, and again, maybe I'm just pulling this from my own negativity. Maybe this is not how the players really felt. But like you say, when you look at the way these two teams are playing – and I know South Carolina was at home, so that maybe that gives them a boost. But it's like, why does this feel like such a big hill to climb against Shane Beamer, South Carolina? Yeah, uh, I think that's I think that's really well said. It, it shouldn't be in that that spot. And again, in the second half, like Auburn has gone from a team where they made adjustments in the second half against Arkansas and an LSU, and and the defense uh, did really well in the second half against Ole Miss. And you found ways down the stretch of those games to execute on offense and get the win. And again, you don't have Bo Nix, you don't have you know certain guys that have been key players for you this year. I get that, but again, you still have a pretty you know Auburn. Auburn having to play T.J. Finley yesterday wasn't the reason why they lost the game. Now, Finley did not have a phenomenal line, but again, like we said, it's 
kind of about what you would expect to be in that in that situation this year. It wasn't that um, long ago that I was praising the coordinators for the good adjustments that they were making, and that and the, the last three weeks has gone away. And I guess you could gone away. Yeah, you could pick a bone with A and M with how much the the play calling and the offense. Like, what is it that they could do when A and M was just suffocating Auburn? They were just well, much better in terms of execution. But the last two weeks, it's like, whoo. And it's like, it's one thing to have adjustments, you know, go not go your way or, or you know, be behind on them. But then even in South Carolina, South Carolina, when you have the head coach be like, yeah, we ran the same plays over and over again. And your own offense is like, man, we probably should have ran the same plays over and over again. <laughs> That's, it can be a very, it can be a very complicated sport game planning and play calling and all that, you know, it's not easy. It's not as simple as just saying, you know, we'll just do this over and over again. Like that's not the necessarily the way you want to go. I don't think this is necessarily the way the staff wants to go. But as our friend Richard Johnson says on split zone duo often, sometimes it's a simple sport. It's about blocking and tackling. And like South Carolina was like, we'll, we'll call the plays. We'll call the plays where it's easier for us to block and it's harder for them to tackle. And Auburn didn't. Absolute uh, galaxy brain take from me, but I'll say it anyway. Great. Here we go. I like Tank Bigsby more than anyone on South Carolina's team. I think the stats kind of bear that out as well. Although Zaquandre Wright had a great game. Right. The stats bear that out. I mean, he led he led anybody who touched the ball on a regular basis in that game in EPA per play, which is a fancy way of saying he brought more value to your to Auburn's offense than anybody else brought value over a play-by-play basis than anybody on South Carolina. Efficiency, impact on a game, it was him. And yet there were times in the game where, key times in the game where he was not touching it with regularity. And it's just like, what the heck is is is, is that? I think anybody in the moment could kind of see it's like, ooh, that's could have done more. Could have done more. All right, well, after that, great. If you're after- listening to this right now, you really are a pain piggy. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for that. We thank you for that. Some some of you are, some of you are in that uh, in that mode, um, and we're going to talk basketball. And you know, basketball had their own struggles on Friday night. However, come back and got a win. Come back and got a win. But before we do that, Painter, let the folks at home know how they continue to how they can continue to support the Auburn Observer and our Fair Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, folks. It's basketball season. I know Dave McKinney, our buddy, was at a wedding. People were asking him about the football game. He was responding with answers about the basketball team. It's that time of the year. It's nearly Christmas, which has been right around the corner all year, which means it's the perfect time to gift to someone an Auburn Observer subscription. Never fear. Bruce Pearl is here. Rate, review, subscribe. We obviously encourage you guys, if you are able to, to subscribe to the Auburn Observer, where you can get twice as many podcasts during the week. Uh, you can also get all of our uh, writing, our observations, film rooms, mailbags, analysis of Auburn football, and ding, 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 men's basketball, ding, 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 ding. There's going to be a lot of that ding, 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 ding. Don't worry. Um, moving forward, uh, auburnobserver.com, sign up there. Uh, and once you're in, once you're in Painter's Inner Circle, $6 a month or $60 a year, you get everything we do podcast-wise or story-wise emailed to you. So whenever a podcast drops, you'll be the first one to know about it. And also you get access to every story there. Uh, Painter was talking about rating, reviewing, and subscribing. The easiest way to do that, Apple Podcast. Grab a phone. Go down to the bottom right corner. Type the little search thing. little search button. Type in the Auburn Observer. Scroll down. Click Auburn Observer. Scroll down. Hit write a review and write a review give us five stars say something nice about painter in the process and um you know we'll we'll read your we'll read your review on the air like this one from dre fra says my goal is to borrow as many family members iphones over thanksgiving Mm -hmm. to rate review and subscribe wish me luck we are wishing you luck that is exactly what we want you to do it's that time of year Take your take your take your uh, family's iPhones and make it happen. Um. So, that's one way to support the show. Another way to support the show in a roundabout way is supporting our friends at HomeFieldApparel.com. Painter, HomeField Apparel is the place 
to buy premium vintage collegiate apparel. A lot of great Auburn stuff. A lot of great Auburn basketball stuff. Uh, a lot of great Auburn football stuff. If you want something soft and cuddly to uh, to you know fix your feelings or you know help keep you warm in these cold winter months that are about to about to come. Um, I wore and, my shirt all day I, yesterday. I thought it would bring Auburn good luck. Alas, it did not, Homefield. That's not your fault, though. I won't worry about that. I know that that shirt has brought me good vibes before. Absolutely. Um, you know, the cold offseason ahead for Auburn football, but the joy that could be coming for Auburn basketball. You're going to need Homefield apparel, T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, all that good stuff. You find it at homefieldapparel.com. It's a big time of year. It's a big time of year for for uh, for buying things for you and your loved ones. You, the uh, consumer. Homefield is going to be running their Black Friday deal Ooh. starting Black Friday, November 26th. It's going to run all the way through Cyber Monday on November 29th. We usually we give you a code here and say, hey, 15% off if your first order if you use the promo code Observer. We're not telling you to do, use this one because from the 26th through the 29th, we're going to tell you, just go to Homefield, put stuff in your cart, and check out. It's 20% off everything. No code needed. And here's the thing. Things are going to be selling out. So Homefield says, order early as possible. Warehouse, shipping, supply chain, all that good stuff. You know, We know it's a, it's a tough time this year for that. You want to have plenty of time to make sure you get your shirts and your hoodies to you and your loved ones in time for the holidays. Homefield Apparel. It's perfect for any Auburn fan or for yourself. Uh, they've got gift cards there. They're adding stickers and uh, some some long awaited items are starting to get back in stock. Some crew necks. Uh, if you're, you know, the gray crew necks have been a, a popular item, they're starting to get some of those back in stock. So some of my favorite, the, oak, the oatmeal hoodies, most comfortable hoodie in the world. Um, you can all get that. Homefieldapparel.com. Like we're saying, Black Friday, November 26th to November 29th, 20% off air thing. You don't have to put in a code. It's free real estate. It's free real estate. All righty. Let's switch over to Auburn basketball, which continues to do the opposite of Auburn football, which is another game where it's like start, not not so hot. Finish, we can do that. Um, so it is reverse. And, again, it's not about how you start. It is about how you finish. From the wise uh, Auburn, words of Dumbledore. I'll have to take your word for that. Auburn 58, South Florida 52. Auburn was down by 15 in the first half. They were down by nine, they were down nine nothing right off the rip. It took them over five minutes to score their first bucket. They returned the ball over a lot. I was not able to watch the first few minutes of the game, and there were a frenzy of messages in that time frame where I was like, "Well, I don't know what's happening for sure, but I have a feeling that Auburn's not winning." They were not winning. Uh, turnovers. I mean, this South Florida team. You know, we were talking about it. Bruce Pearl had said, "Hey, getting exposed." Um, you know, South Florida was a team that's taller. There, we talked about that on the premium podcast last week. Like, don't really play anybody shorter than six three. They got a seven footer, but they just got a lot of dudes that were between six three and six eight. They were long, aggressive on defense. They had done a really good job limiting possessions or limiting good scoring possessions in their first few games, and they were doing that against Auburn. They were doing some of the exact same things that we, we thought they were going to do. It took a while for Auburn to adjust to it. Seemed to really affect Wendell Green Jr., who had a scoreless night, had a decent amount of turnovers uh, for him. Uh, he had three turnovers, uh, and I think he ended up finishing with three assists. <clears throat> Jabari Smith went three of 12 from the field. Physical defense kind of got to him a little bit more. Walker Kessler and Devin Cambridge had a tough time shooting the ball. And yet... You know, you get into this, you get into this game for Auburn where they they whittled it down in the in the first half. They whittled it down, and Painter, who who was the guy to keep to keep it to get Auburn right back in it uh, in the first half? Jabari. No. <laughs> you watched the game. Who was it, Justin? It was the tag team of Jalen Williams and Katie Johnson off the bench, especially Jalen Williams. Um, had a great finish to the first half. Very, very efficient in scoring. Uh, very efficient with his defense. Uh, Leora Berman had some nice minutes early on. But it was Katie Johnson and, and Jalen Williams where bringing those guys off the bench when your starters are not getting it going, to be able to turn back and say, all right, here are two dudes with SEC experience at, at being leaders 
and you know in this pay at this spot looking comfortable coming off the bench and saying all right you've got it you know finish the first half with a little bit of momentum second half defense really really ratchets up they get on a run and it, and it's Katie and, and Jalen providing the spark um Zap Jasper had a great game his best game yet at, for for Auburn he's really the only efficient shooter Auburn had in the starting lineup and of course he plays great defense um a little bit of foul trouble for him and KD, but they were able to manage around it. I it's again, it's just like it's the depth of this team. If you were if 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 the starters are not like locked in and 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 fired on all cylinders, you've got several really really good players that can pick you up. Yeah, last year Auburn had a lot of talent on its team. I think it's nice to see this year that with all the newcomers working into the system, guys like Jalen and KD and Zepp, all players with experience coming into the season, have sort of steadied the ship when Auburn has hit its valleys. KD has been as advertised. His experience has been invaluable to this point in the season. Jalen Williams, uh, I guess him and KD both at this point in the season have a pretty great argument as being some of the most valuable people coming off the bench in the conference. Like anyway. I'll, be, I'll be curious to see how that holds up for an entire season, especially once Auburn gets into conference play. But I just can't imagine that there are many more teams that have two guys like that coming off the bench that would probably start on a handful of other rosters. Yeah. Yeah. Including ones in the SEC. I, the, the one thing that stood out to me from this game, other than the fact that the bench came through for them and, and Zep played really, really well as a starter, it's the defense, right? We've talked about it. this Auburn offense is going to take some time to get to, to gel. You know, they are learning how to play with one another, especially in the half court. That USF defense was physical. You know, Jabari Smith's in, incredibly talented. Weddell Green Jr. is incredibly talented. We have seen physical defense get to them, um, you know, a little bit early in the season. Um, Walker Kessler is still trying to get things going. Devin Cambridge still trying to get things going with, with his shot. And that defense just buys time for it because I think Auburn's done a really good job, and I think, I think Devin Cambridge is a perfect example of this. Um, this defense, the way they play defense, is going to buy time for that offense to gel. And that's, I mean, last year Auburn's defense was a really big issue. And with a lot of newcomers, they've bought in and have started playing. And, and look, they've played three mid-major teams to start the season, right? They're about to go to Atlantis where they're going to play UConn, who looks really, really good right now. Um and they're going to play either Michigan State or Loyola Chicago in the second game. And they could play any team in the in the third game. And we'll see if that defense holds up. We'll see if that defense continues to be as good as it as it has been at stretches this season and throughout this game. But it's like Auburn had just six steals and six blocks against South Florida. That It wasn't like they were ultra disruptive. It was just, man, they were locking down a rebound and doing a lot of dirty work, especially in the second half. And that's not something you necessarily would always see. I mean, Devin Cambridge leads the team in plus minus. As Pearl said after the game, yeah, you wish he would be hitting, he'd be hitting shots right now. It would help Auburn a lot if he was hitting those shots. And he's trying to shoot his way out of the slump. I think Kessler's doing some of that as well. Jabari Smith was not shooting super well in that game. And yet they were doing the dirty work and playing defense. And, like, you don't always get that from from guys, you know, to stay locked in on the defensive end when they when their offense isn't going. And that's a really good sign for this team. Agreed. Auburn 5 of 26 from 3. If they can just get a little better. I'm not asking, like, is 9 of 26 really a great night shooting from 3? No, but 3 or 4 more of those shots go in, and this game looks completely different. Like you said, it really didn't matter because Auburn locked it down on the other end. I think this game, while in my head, was closer than I would have hoped. Maybe Bruce was on to something earlier in the week. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it was coming in that game. It was like, well, is South Florida going to continue to play defense like that? And is Auburn, you know, finally going to get challenged in those areas? They did, and they still came back and won. Six point win on the road. That's never going to look bad. It doesn't matter what South Florida does the rest of the season. Everybody's going to look at that game and just be like, oh, that's that's that helps your resume. Now, how much it helps your resume, one way or another, you know. But it's not like football where you look like, oh, you scraped by against, uh, you know, Team X. Uh, we're gonna knock you down for that. It's like, nope. That's you know, with the with the sample size of basketball and and the way it goes, like that's just always gonna look like a decent win, just because of where it was. Yeah, it wasn't a net negative. Like at the end of the year, when we're looking at seeding, the it's only gonna help you. Yeah, the tournament committee is not gonna ding Auburn for a win. No, not at all. 
Not at all. Um, but yeah, Katie Johnson, three games, three games off the bench, three double-digit performances from him. Man, Bruce Pearl, I, it's funny to watch him coach because he is so intense with his players. I mean, he really let Wendell have it at one and then point. Ca- and then let and then let Wendell keep playing through it too. Well, I, I think it's, was... it's telling of the relationship he has with his players that he can coach them like that, and he knows probably who can take what and how how far to push them. Nonetheless, like I, it is nice to see that style of coaching when you know that the players respect the coach and that it's something that they're okay with. Yeah, and they respond well to it. I think that's I think that's a big thing. You look at South Florida in this game. They were hitting a lot of two-point, like, mid-range jumpers. And it's like, oh, well, you live with that. And they still only scored, you know, 52 in this one. Um, they had two guards that played really, really well, Caleb Murphy and Javon Green. They had 74 or sorry, seventy-four of 80 minutes uh, possible that they played. They were barely off the floor, and they got thirty-two or 34 of the 52 points from South Florida uh, in this one. And it's like... Yeah, there were some stretches where I mean I think it was I think it was a fact where it's a testament to Auburn's defense where the best stretches USF had on offense where it was like, man, they're hitting some tough shots or they're hitting some non efficient shots and it's like, Well, you'll you'll live with it. And and then you still hold them to fifty two. There was you know, South Florida scores less than twenty points in the second half. There was a stretch where they were off the scoreboard for long, long uh amount of uh, a long amount of time. Um it was, you know, they went more than six minutes without scoring at one point. And you do that against anybody, that's that's pretty impressive in, 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 the, sport of, uh, in the sport of collegiate basketball. Ferg, this is going to show you how limited some of my knowledge is, but why that's is okay. it that Auburn, <laughs> Auburn might not just give the ball to Jabari from time to time and tell everyone to get out of the way? It can get predictable. Jabari is not at the point yet where he is the guy where it's just like, I mean, he went three of 12 in this game from the field. Like, it's not like it's automatic over and over and over again. They were trying that a little bit at times. I think they were trying that with Walker as well. Uh, There were some stretches where South Florida went small ball and they put Smith and Kessler back in and just opened things back up for him. I think the strength of the team is that is its balance, right? You know, it's a lot easier to stop a team that's got one guy that's really, really locked in and, and rolling. Um, I think you saw a little bit of that in South Florida. Um, it's a lot easier to stop it when you have two guys that are really doing the only thing out there. So the way the system is and the way they want to play, like there are going to be some stretches in the game where they, they give it to Jabari and let him get it out of the get out of the way. I think Pearl said it best after the game uh, on on Saturday night or on Friday night, sorry. Players, uh, talking about Jabari, he said players in his position would start forcing things much more than him. He lets the game come to him. So now there's certain times where I would rather him take the ball to the basket instead of settle for a fadeaway jump shot, and I want him to be a little bit more aggressive off the bounce, uh, but he's not afraid of the moment. Jabari, he even said it like the other the other night about the ULM game. It's like, you know, he's asked about like the takeover gene, and he said he kind of like pushed, pushed back on it just saying like, I don't know if he's necessarily that guy who's necessarily who, at least at this point in his career, is going to be like I get the ball, everybody get out of the way. He's a little bit more of a complimentary player than that to his his teammates. Now, does he have superstar talent and have superstar ability for sure? But I think Auburn's strength is in its balance and its depth, and he's a player who is who is you know leaning on that early. Perhaps a little bit of an overused comparison already, but maybe it would be my hope anyway that Jabari has somewhat of a trajectory like Chuma did his sophomore season, where I think as the year went on, Chuma starts going, ah, like there's not many people that can do anything with me defensively. And, you know, Auburn has, this is sort of a funny term to use, but I think Auburn does have some alphas at guard that are happy to be, uh, to be guys that are willing to, to, I don't think Katie, I don't think Katie Johnson has to worry, has to worry about, Hmm. Am I, am I deferring a little too much? Right. Right. (laughs) I don't think he's ever going to be in that. That's not, that's not Not saying he's, that goes no, through not his saying head. he's a selfish player. He does he does work, um, he does get other guys involved. But it was it was interesting seeing how Auburn finished this game. But it's also the balance of it. Like everybody's waiting for Kessler to kind of come alive on offense, and his defense has been really good, and it continues to be really good. The same thing with Jabari. That closing lineup on Friday night, they decided to go small ball, and because. South Florida didn't have their seven-footer on the floor, so Auburn takes their seven-footer off the floor. And with Jalen Williams, if they're going to do a lot of stuff on the pick pick and roll, 
do a lot of their pick coverages say, hey, switch everything. Jalen can kind of switch everything. It's it's that, again, it's a very tired comparison, and he doesn't play the same way because I think he, get, he has, for his you know skill level, he has a lot more of an offensive game to it. But it's kind of like the Draymond Green thing for, for Jalen. It's like, all right, you feel good about him being across from pretty much anybody. Being that small ball center late in the games, like that is that is something to really, really uh, uh, use and utilize. Uh, as great as Kessler is on defense, I think there's just going to be some matchups where it's going to be better for Auburn to play Williams out there. After Auburn wins a close game and does not play well on the road, uh, where I thought, you know, Auburn's first road game and a team that wasn't particularly great away from home last season with a bunch of new pieces, like maybe I should have been more prepared for this game to go the way that it did. Yeah, and they're going to go to uh, you know battle for Atlantis and <laughs> and have some tough times. There are going to be some stretches where it's not going to look good because they're playing some really really talented teams that have more experience than them together and and have a little bit more consistency to them. It's going to help Auburn in the long run. I think you're kind um, of at the split the next four games and you feel decent about where you're at three and one. You feel yeah, they're really one good. Yeah, and they're one and zero. So I think if they if they win two out of three in Atlantis, I think you should feel pretty good. Um, if you somehow win them all, just like dad gum, like this is, this team's gonna be this team's gonna be dangerous because like they they don't have they don't have one of their best players yet in Allen Flanagan, and they are still trying to come together. And probably a bit that. simplistic on my end, but there's something to be said. When has that ever stopped you? Before? When has that ever stopped me, Justin? I would say that uh, winning a close game against South Florida, it's kind of nice because it's like, hey, it's pretty obvious that there's a lot to work on. Oh, yeah. You can't get you can't be like too proud of yourself after after that win. But at the same time, it is a win. And uh, that- it's an early season win that has a lot of value to you because not only do you get the win and the benefits of getting the win, but you also get to learn a lot from it and you get to build a lot off of it. It that is kind of the dream scenario for a young team that's like, all right, you don't have to deal with a loss, but also it's pretty evident. Like, how much does the coach have to like remind you that, hey, we're not a finished product? And I think if you can get a couple of those in the Bahamas, you know, against some really good basketball teams, I mean, that's that's the dream scenario I think for Auburn at this point. Who has but been yeah, the most fun player for Auburn thus far? Because going into the year, that was Katie. yeah, I think that's pretty obvious, right? Like that that was a conversation yeah. of the off season. Was there so many mouths to feed? Where do you go? And right now, KD has been so good in each of their three games. I've personally loved watching Jalen Williams play uh, because of his just like, I can do pretty much anything for my team, Just and, and he's willing to do it. Jabari has had stretches where it's like, man, that dude is just special. And then Kessler's had awesome defense. I've really liked watching Zepp Jasper play. Wendell Green's had some had some stories. Like, Zepp, Zepp played really really well against uh against south florida um and has was their f- best offensive performer has he been in foul trouble in essentially all of the games not game two game okay. two he wasn't and he led the team in plus minus that game um so yeah but yeah game one and game three he, he has um and it's a uh, yeah he, he plays aggressive on ball defense and um he'll also like if he's not getting fouls called on him he's gonna put some dudes in in uh in 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 a mental prison basically and some clutch um, free throws down the stretch from him yeah a huge three-pointer too uh you know at one point they're down the stretch uh for auburn um and he's starting to, i mean he's starting to look like the honey badger that uh that everybody uh thought he was going to be uh coming from the college of charleston um but yeah good you know good win for auburn and the fact that it is a quality victory you're not going to get dinged for it, and you're going to have a lot to learn from it. And, you know, it's like you only beat this team by six. It's like you beat the team, good. You only beat them by six. Ooh, you got a lot to work on. Um, and also, um, you know, two shout-outs here. Uh, Leor Berman and Preston Cook coming in. Auburn, those guys stealing some minutes and being effective in that. Or Leor having the putback, you know. They were, I think, both of those guys were either at zero or maybe a little bit higher, and uh, you know, and uh, in, in plus minus that, like, you didn't come in and it was just like an issue that you had your walk-ons out there. And I know Preston's on scholarship now, um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's big. And then number two, uh, Auburn fans in uh, in in uh, Tampa uh, really out, came up and showed man. up. I mean, it, it sounded like an Auburn home game at times, and that is a really big arena. And I know it's not South Florida's usual home. Uh, but, uh, you know, from everybody who was there, it sounded like it's Auburn had at least half the crowd there. Um, so 
I know the I know the Tampa I know the Tampa based alumni for Auburn and fans were were uh, were looking forward to that one and they and they showed out. I do wonder how much having Allen in this early part of the season would benefit Auburn. I think the obvious answer is greatly, right? Like he would be another steadying hand and a presence with experience on this team. And in some ways, I guess you can try to pull out a silver lining, which is that it is forcing Auburn and some of the other players, especially the newcomers, to work things out without a piece that would probably be the anchor of your basketball team. Yeah. Now, look, I'd I rather think... have him out there, quite frankly. I'd just rather have him. But, like, there, yeah, there but... is some, if you want to, you know, if you want to reach a little bit, you can be like, well, it's, it's making other people have to step up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in this one, you know, Devin gave you the defense and some of the, some of the, you know, man hammered a couple of those dunks. Uh, clear. There were a couple, there was a, there was a play, there was a baseline out of bounds, a blob as, as they, they are called, um, that Jalen Williams got on the lob where it, it's one of the most beautiful play calls they've had all season. But then Devin got involved in that as well. And it's like, yeah, dude's not shooting well. But he's playing defense and he's working hard on the, uh, you know playing some physical basketball and he's getting to the rack like he's he's kind of taking some of that Allen Flanagan to him, you know Chris Moore did not have a good game in this one and did not play a lot in the Do second. Do you have half. any reason why it was they had him on such limits and minutes in the second half? It's just he was struggling. I mean, he, he was struggling and I think Devin was Devin was just playing better on the defensive end and so they played him a lot more there. Um, but yeah, it's just it seems that those threes like every game like there are parts of Allen's game that are showing up in Chris's and in Devin's and like that's what you want now if you do that and then start hitting more outside shots then you get him back in the picture you're gonna be in a good spot if you're Auburn I think that's going to wrap it up um I think we gotta get out of this hotel room really soon this week is going to be a whirlwind folks (laughs) um we'll have uh we'll have a film room of some sort, hopefully tomorrow, um, Monday, if you're listen, listening to this on Sunday, you will also get a little preview of the Iron Bowl some kind on Tuesday. Wednesday, we'll have we'll have newsletters throughout the week, and then coverage of Auburn, um, the Auburn trip down to the Battle for Atlantis, then the Iron Bowl. It's going to be a busy week. It's going to be a busy week for the Observer, um, as I said on the uh, on the Premium podcast this week. I'm going to be heading out of town, but I'm going to still be working, obviously. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to play it by air a little bit for those of you who are subscribers. So we appreciate you guys' generosity and your patience and your flexibility. And for those of you who aren't subscribers, might be a pretty good week to get on board because there's going to be a lot of stuff. Uh, com. That's all I've got. Painter, your final thoughts. Y'all have a happy Thanksgiving. Coming